Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hello everyone, welcome back to episode 32 of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel and Chris from Everyday Mastery Instagram. I've not said that intro yeah. for a while, Chris, but oh, I thought wow. I just, gonna, I just drive I hit that. the retro. Yeah, you're going to drive that Instagram for me. <laughs> <laughs> how, have, how have you been this week, Chris? Uh, not too bad, not too bad hanging in there. Yeah, we had... Um, we're we're really pumped because we had a really cool watch meetup from the Facebook group. So head over to Casual Watch Talk Facebook group. A big thanks to everyone that joined Chris and I for kind of virtual happy hour. We, yeah. I think we went over two hours, didn't uh, we? Yeah, it was it was just about two hours. Yeah, it was good. And it and it like it didn't replace a watch meetup, but it was definitely what everybody kind of needed. I think get together and kind of talk, and uh, you know, a, b- a bunch of folks uh, sort of pointed out like maybe there's significant others or other people that are in their sphere right now in their in their lockdown sphere are not interested in talking about watches. So it was kind of giving them everybody a <laughs> ability to just, hey, I want to talk about this movement in this crazy watch, and it was like, oh, okay, yeah, everyone is uh, wants to hear about it, so it was cool. Yeah, it was really interesting, and we'll definitely do that again. That was an excellent test run, and we proved out the the technology. And maybe in the next one, with everyone's permission, we might record and throw it up on the old yeah, YouTube channel. Maybe. I think that'd be interesting. Maybe. Well, we've got a busy news week to get into, but Chris, I'd love to know if you've had a watch obsession this week. Watch obsession, yes. Uh, speaking of the Facebook group, um, a bunch of us were talking about um, rally timing. And I had heard about this watch. Like I said, we, we kind of got talking about uh, timing rallies, which is, you know, time, speed, distance and uh, measuring that. And uh, you, Sam, you mentioned my Curta. I have a Curta calculator that, that co-drivers, navigators used to use in the car to, to figure out that, that calculation. Um, and then Todd posted a, a fantastic picture of his Seiko speed timer and the speed timer was known as a as basically a rally meter because it has the bezel it has the slide rule bezel but there are no other markings other than to figure out your uh, time to destination and your time and speed and distance so like there's no like you can't do any complicated math of it but as far as like if you want to find out how fast you have to travel in order to cover a certain distance. Like you can do it right on the watch. Uh, he, he had a great, uh, it was a great article sort of explaining how uh, it works and uh, all that sort of stuff. So we, uh, so we threw some, some links back and forth and apparently citizen uh, made something very similar um, sort of as a, you know, another, another thing to, to do, to take the tachymeter bezel and then, have it basically be a little computer to figure out, okay, I, you know, um, and for these, uh, regulation or TSD rallies, you needed to, you needed to know, okay, well I'm doing 45 miles an hour and I have to travel three miles, you know, and, and the checkpoint is here, figure out what time I'm going to be there. And you have to be, uh, on time. You have to be on your minute. So you can't be fast. You can't be slow. You have to be perfectly on time. And that's what, uh, that's what these are for. So, 
very cool uh very cool sort of tangent but uh definitely a watch obsession for me this week what's my watch obsession been well i've been trying to be good and not looking at too many watches online i've got my walbrook skin diver that i've talked about last couple of episodes on its way in they've started to ship now i've not quite got mine yet but the anticipation has been building people who received their kickstarter watches already have been really liking them so far so hopefully that will arrive soon and that's been kind of stopping me from obsessing over watches i got contacted a little tease of a future review i got contacted by a guy who makes watch straps out of different materials including old footballs american footballs Mm -hmm. baseball gloves old shoes Mm. and and things like that so a little tease i'm hoping to get one of those straps so i can do a review of that because i think that's just really cool yeah repurposing old sports equipment into watch straps so that should be interesting Mm -hmm. we've got a couple of news stories so chris as always i'd love to get your opinion on these things let's start off with a few somber ones and then we'll we'll go into it so I'll mention this one just because we've been following it through, and this is the ongoing saga with Baselworld and would the Murdoch company buy them? And they did uh, They did make an offer and it was accepted, so they put £65 million, pounds, so probably around the £80 million mark mm-hmm. dollars-wise, and that makes them the leading shareholder in MCH Group, mm-hmm. the previous Baselworld owners. Baselworld, as we know, no longer exists. It's now our time. So it'd be interesting to follow that through, but that's that was the result, the culmination of that story. Mm. Was there was there any uh sort of inside was there any additional information that we found that like that would that would make that company you know, for us to sit back here and say like eighty million, well, you know, that's I mean that's gotta be if it like for the for the prestige for the agreements that they had something there has to be something more there some like what was the meat of that you know they think that they were really making an offer for the art basil show mm-hmm. this story's from watch pro in fact most of the stories i'm going to talk about today are either on watch pro or have been featured on watch pro mm-hmm. there's not really a lot more detail i'm sure stuff will come out yeah. we'll find out whether that our universe is a success whether yeah. they made a wide wise business move there right if it was uh picking up something for cheap you know something can yeah. turn around and and also like to calibrate i'm sure if you can imagine if you've even seen one two or you know just a handful of pictures from the floor of the show um, you would just you'd get an idea of how many millions of dollars are being spent there. Being a part of that, or like sort of having a controlling interest in that, maybe eighty million is a uh, is a great price. So, well, you'd imagine that they would have got some sort of bargain with everything that's been going on. Yeah. But anyway, next story. This one, I think it certainly affects me because I have sold watches on Chrono Twenty Four. I sold the Tudor Black Bay Fifty Eight and my Omega Speedmaster on. Wait, you sold Chrono that? 24. You, you sold that? Yeah, I, I did. Oh I know. I keep getting reminded. <laughs> I send Sam a text message like every like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've they've bought. I'm going to say they bought something back, but because they used to charge a buyer a fee, right. it might have been the escrow fee, but they're bringing back a charge for of seven point five percent a buyer's surcharge wow so the seller will still pay the 6.5 percent plus the whatever it is for the escrow which 
we, at one time that made it very interesting because that made it cheaper than eBay, which right. is why this I did Tudor like and ten plus percent, right? After PayPal and everything. Yeah, and I don't know whether this is true, but you just get the feeling that there's more serious buyers on Chrono Twenty Four than there are on eBay. I would say for high end watches, maybe. Yeah, and and I think they definitely lean into the um, if you you know if you want to go to a site where you are going to be shown that your watch can increase in value and that you could collect watches and make money. Not that we're advocating that and not that you could do that. But uh, if you start hanging around that site, you start to get the feeling because they show you, you know, this is what we got graphs and, you know, we show you like how much this, how much this has made, how much this has gone up in value. I mean, that's basically what their app is doing. So I like that about there. That's good that you mentioned that. I like that about their app because you can upload your own watch collection in there and put um, the condition and it will give you a price, but also uh, stocks and shares type graphs that will show you how your collection is increasing or decreasing over time and that's free which i think is a great mm-hmm. feature but anyway more concerning is that yeah. they've now added a 7.5 percent buyer surcharge so whatever you sell the watch for your buyer is going to have to pay 7.5 percent wow. and like the last two watches that i sold also if you're shipping them to another country they've got to pay customs on the other end as well right what do you think about that chris would that put you off buying it certainly makes me think about like can i figure out another way to make this transaction happen and for them to do that i mean whatever they were making they just doubled it (laughs) basically you know essentially yeah they they've been saying that this is a result of changes in the u.s tax code it only applies for sales in the united states i forgot to mention that at the start, oh, but I see. essentially it's the u.s tax structure and warranty related refunds and I stuff see. like that they're saying that in order yeah. to make it a profitable business that's what they'll have to do okay it would affect us because we're obviously selling from the u.s regardless yeah. of whether so i mean we can get we can get a little into this i mean so in the united states we have a we have a concept uh, called nexus where the product originates from and one of the things that sort of happened in e-commerce and is happening in e-commerce right now and you know everybody who's ever you know purchased stuff on ebay you have now uh, a bunch of e-commerce sites that exist that have to pay taxes in various states so yep. it used to be ebay was you know kind of this wild west where bought it and like well it got sold to you but you know, it's from, you know, Atlanta or, you know, and Georgia doesn't have to pay a person in Georgia doesn't have to pay California sales tax and a person in California doesn't have to pay Georgia sales tax. Well, because of this worldwide place we live and we're all connected now and also a lot of brick and mortar stores are, are closing up shop and we're and we're moving into this. I mean, I think every year we see e-commerce tick up higher during the holidays. Uh, so absolutely. Yeah. So eventually, you know, the, uh, uh, the tax man cometh, and they want that revenue, and so uh, so now if you you know like Amazon, it's just everybody charges tax for everything. Uh, eBay's getting there too, uh, depending on what state you know state you're ordering from to this sort of thing. It's kind of this like we're losing out on this on this tax shelter e-commerce land. Um, so maybe that's you know it, maybe that's what they're setting up for, so that when that happens, they can just they can say we'll just pay the tax for you, which would be great. But I feel like it's they'll also additionally if Delaware if they're not selling in Delaware or if they're selling in like Maine or Massachusetts or something, and there's a nine percent sales tax, you know they'll tack that on there too, which kind of because I remember I noticed this recently with um, 
a lot of these places are in New Jersey, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And Choma Shop is, and a camera shop, that B&H Photo, I right. think they're based in Jersey as well. Right. And I noticed that they never used to add tax, but now they do. Yeah. It's a bit worrying, but we'll, we'll see how we go with yeah. that one. I mean, and it also, uh, it certainly opens up to other ways to pay. I mean, I think I looked at, we talked about this back in the back when I was uh, selling a couple watches, where, you know, if I could figure out how to, you know, transfer a thousand dollars via Google Pay or something, or like, you know, we, you know, uh, Venmo, I think will only take like a max of two fifty, something like that. If we had like a secure way to pay each other that, you know, didn't have to, like, we have to pay tax on this stuff all the time. And also, I could probably go off on a diatribe for about an hour on um, paying for tax on something that you already pay tax for. So I'll stop right now. <laughs> Exactly. This is the thing with yeah, with pre-owned on eBay now, you're having to pay tax. But right. anyway, that's a whole separate yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's get to more interesting watch related subjects. I think one thing that caught our eye, and I know Dave, who's a friend to the show who runs LPW Watch Supply, wrote an article on this on Scottish watches. But I'm gonna quote stuff from the Watch Pro article, and this is Bamford who do make custom, they're famous for making custom Rolexes and things like that. They've joined with a company called Black Badger, who basically, uh, I'm su- I'm making a very high summary of this, but they essentially find interesting materials to make jewellery out of. So they've joined forces and they've made an El Primero, where the case is made out of a superconductor cable, which... They're typically used for, uh, it says on the Watch Pro article, MRI machines, mm-hmm. particle accelerators, and nuclear reactors. So they're saying it's essentially made from a cable for nuclear reactors. It's really interesting. They've taken a cross-section of the cable. They've turned it into a watch case and then applied an acid to it. Mm-hmm. And it gives it a very interesting i'd say post-apocalyptic look to the case i mean they want a small fortune for it they want fourteen thousand pounds for it yeah, yeah but i think it's interesting it's good to see there's these different materials right yeah i think this is i think this is well done and it looks like looks like what it is it's 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 if you cut what you would think a futuristic superconducting material cable in half that has like yeah. the hexagonal pattern of all of the conductors individual conductors sort of smooshed together in a process i'm sure and then uh yeah and then just like cross-section that made a made a case out of it it's very yeah very cool looking and then the first of two g-shock stories one we're probably going to go into a little bit more detail but something that i've noticed a trend certainly on youtube and definitely on watch forums is there seems to be this trend of taking the g-shock the cassie oak as it's called or the g-shock oak the um, the ga2100 this mm-hmm. is the the cassie oak as it's known and people buying royal oak style cases off aliexpress yeah. off ebay and then turning these watches into essentially didn't, uh, didn't didn't jody just do one and jody just did yeah. one tgv did just, one yeah. i'm interested to know chris is this is this a bit of a gimmick or does it look cool? And I'm only asking because I I haven't decided yet whether this looks weird or whether it looks cool. Yeah, I, I think you have to like lean into it because it's a little over the top, I think. <laughs> you know, it's it's like a, this super shiny, super shiny band on on top of it that sort of like adds to it. So it's already it's already big boy. 
and then it like adds additional heft to it. Yeah, the one that I there is one that definitely looks. I mean, they've done a really good job. Right. If it looks as good in the photos, then it has the hexagonal um, screws. Right. It has the band, the very distinctive Royal Oak band, which uh, rectangular sections with rectangular ties to it. Mm-hmm. They've if it looks half as good as in the photos, then they look pretty cool. It's just I'm still a bit undecided about whether I overall I think it looks cool. I mean TGV certainly enjoyed Yeah, enjoyed his one. it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah, it's definitely one of those I don't if I had that on my wrist and I walked into an event of what you know, like a watch meet, I don't know if I'd get thrown out. <laughs> I'd be like, sorry. Sorry, man, you can't you can't bring that in here. That's <laughs> <laughs> like we're we're serious. We're serious watch collectors here. So I mean, it's a little. Uh, certainly, it points out the little, you know, tongue in cheek of, uh, you know, the fact that, like, you know, uh, of the of us of the few of us that are going to be fortunate to be able to uh, afford a Royal Oak, why not have some fun with your ninety dollar Casio? Exactly. Okay, now on to a much more well, a, a, as an interesting G Shock. G Shock had just announced a limited edition samurai inspired mr master of g or mr g i think they're calling it it's in titanium Uh, it's limited edition but it's the process that they've used on the titanium they've engraved it to look like the helmet of a samurai warrior so it has a a finishing on it that's loosely translated as rusted metal i think Mm -hmm. and then they have a very famous i'm not going to try and say his name because i'll murder it and i'll have to apologize (laughs) but essentially they have an an expert engraver has engraved a dragon on it as well this is another story from watch pro limited edition to 400 worldwide and they're charging around about the nine and a half thousand dollar i'm really interested to know what you think about this because last week we had such the back and forth about limited edition watches and what i glasses right what i would say is a work as a limited edition watch and this falls between the two yeah yeah and 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 i think you know so uh another this is another you know you commented uh earlier on the on the page or the group the work that they're doing the engraving that they're doing is is not all that complicated i mean you you kind of posted up a picture of you know if you've seen any of the like where they engrave every link on a on like a rolex datejust you know something like that that's super intricate like this this is kind of just got a little engraving on the on the outer bezel kind of kind of thing yeah i mean you should definitely everyone should definitely take a picture uh, take a take a look at the picture of it when i first saw it i i i felt like oh okay whatever casio i literally was like i'll just give him a pass and then i was like wait a minute i'm so critical of like other watch companies doing these like one-off special editions with like you know where they change the color and i was like why why would i give casio a pass here and i started to really sort of like think about it and get get into it and so we can talk about it now which is i think one of the key parts of this is yes this is a casio that that is you know that has special materials and and special colors it's not the only one you can get there's 15 versions of this casio that you can buy for a reasonable price okay so i feel like in special editions often 
the regular one is no longer available you're right yeah so so they you know so it's like oh well we did you know we used to have this one that was just a black tile and white hands but now you know we don't we don't make that anymore but now we have this special edition where we made a blue one and we're only going to make a thousand and just and and that's i think that's one big part of the special edition magic where if the regular one is on is is available, like so, this Mr. G, like I'm I'm sure that like I'd have to do a quick search, but I'm sure the regular one's on sale and available and reasonably priced, and they'll they'll manu- mass manufacture a gubajillion of them, and it's great, and you can go pick one up right now. Uh, where it starts to bug me is yeah, where it where it's not the original is not available, and then the special edition, and then the next. You know, and then the next part, and Sam, what do you think about that? I'm in, in agreement with you. This doesn't bother me as much as other limited edition watches. And I'll add something else that reason why it doesn't particularly bother me as much is because this is a Japanese company, they're taking the Japanese history and directly relating it to this watch and using a very skilled, well-known Japanese craftsmen to do it. Mm-hmm. It isn't based on a made-up history or a borrowed or a cartoon or or something like that. It seems like they've created a watch. And to your point, really, they've said, hey, we've created this special edition watch. We really put everything we could into this. This is this is how expensive it is. Or you could buy the regular one. Exactly mm-hmm. to your point, yeah. there's not. This yeah. isn't the only. It's not that different mm-hmm. that you feel like you're missing out, right? If you just bought the ordinary one. Yeah, and I think again with the special edition, I think that if, and we've seen this with special materials, and this is a good example of like sort of a titanium that's been colored and like a special uh, finishing process that they've done to it. Okay, so like special materials, like again, it's. It's to the, it's almost to the level that it's like an art piece, that it's a collectible, like a collectible art piece. Whereas I feel like sometimes you get these brands that will, it's not that unique. It's not that, you know, it's like, oh, it's got a, you know, it's, oh, we put a red second sand on it, you know, and it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's limited edition. It's twice the price. You're like, why is it twice the price? Well, you know, because it has this red second hand on it or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but there's sort of that feel like, uh, you know, there's, there, I think is more of a line where you can draw to say like, you know, when, okay, yes, you've made the decision as a brand to make a special edition. What makes it special besides what the marketing department's going to say? Exactly. And this, the gentleman here is hand engraving this dragon on every single G-Shock bezel. It, for people that might think I'm being hypocritical when I call Omega out for the the three two one movement, this gentleman is hand engraving four hundred of these. Right, Omega are restricting how they make them. They, I, in my view, they could easily knock out right. the three two one movement in the many thousands mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a direct result of literally somebody having to. Yeah. Car four hundred yeah, of them. Yeah, and and right, and that's that's another that's another that's another good point where you've got a craftsman, and I think I think the Swiss watch industry, bleh, Swiss watch industry, uh, hides a, uh, behind that sort of craftsman a lot 
in the way that we we've talked about like all of this all of this manufacturing is like automated now this is all, you know what i mean like rolex like yes. the big boys rolex if you're pumping out a hundred thousand watches a year they're like humans are not involved you'd like they have robots that are making this yes watchmakers are maybe assembling the final product doing some qc checking the thing da 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 and and various bits and, and parts throughout and and there are definitely processes that robots can't do that humans have to do i totally get that in in the sort of beauty of watchmaking when you get to a hundred thousand watches <laughs> you know versus like you said hand engraving 400 of these again it didn't give me quite the visceral reaction yeah. as something along the lines of the Houdinki Blue Alpinist yeah, or something right, along right. those lines. Yeah, we're, where, we're something that you wanted. Yeah. Like you said, there's other versions. I mean this is their this is their most expensive G Shock. I think they range RRP there in the three thousand dollar range anyway. Mm-hmm. So they are exp- they are the most expensive G Shocks you can buy, but they're not that dissimilar from other g-shocks in the range as well but i like what they've done here it's interesting and also they do limited editions in more affordable uh, lines as well like the blue note which is based on the famous jazz club in new york and a record label casio made a a limited edition one of that and they didn't make a big song dance about it i mean i've talked about it on the pod i i bought my wife that uh you know casio uh pokemon Yeah. We were looking at it the other day. It like comes in like the Pokeball and it's super geeky cute. And, and just, it was like, she, she was like, well, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, that was like a special edition. You had to like, I was like, it's a hundred dollars. <laughs> like it wasn't, it was completely reasonable for what it was. And it comes in this cool packaging and whatever. Yeah. So absolutely. They do special edition stuff. They do, you know, special edition limited stuff all the time. That's completely reasonable. And earlier when I said it's something that you want, uh, let me just clarify just so that like, if you if and i this is not this watch is not to my taste but if it was it was something that i want but just to say that um the standard edition is something that you wanted and the fact that you couldn't get it because you know it, a particular piece of it was limited so that's that's kind of what i was saying absolutely there. and if you're interested in watch engraving in general i did a review an interview in fact it's one of my favorite uploads i ever did and i interviewed uh, david sheehan who is a is really a master in uh, watch engraver he's stunning he does work for all over the world he engraved rolexes and he engraved a samurai warrior down the band of a rolex looks just awesome it's it's horrendously expensive to do uh, an entire rolex it's upwards of ten thousand dollars but to get something like a dragon or something along those lines engraved up the side of your existing Mr. G, you could get somebody third party to do it probably for a couple of hundred dollars. But um, anyway. Okay. Well, before we dive into the main subject, which again... Hey, it's Chris from the Casual Watch Talk podcast. As our longtime listeners know, we often talk about cars here on the pod, and that's no coincidence. Like a lot of mechanical watch lovers, we're both into cars and racing. A couple years ago, I curated a collection of automotive-inspired straps and started the Campionato Club. Campionato Club watch straps celebrate the rich history of automotive liveries with their inspired colors. Available in a single-pass NATO, two-piece, and our new super-comfy elastic NATO, check out Campionato Club on the web. That's championship in Italian, C-A-M-P-I-O-N-A-T-O dot club. Is one that I've been really fascinated in. Let's just pause for a very quick ad break. Hi, guys. Welcome back. 
Our main topic for today, and this is pretty interesting, I think. I'll let you kick it off, Chris. The watches and watch brands that never made it to the United States. So the Swiss brands that aren't really sold here and that, I mean, we now have access to over the internet, but don't really have a presence here. Yeah, and ones that are certainly, if you can get them in the US, they're more of an enthusiast would find them instead of you just randomly stumbling across them. They're certainly larger in other countries. I liken this to a lot of the car brands that we have in the the U, uh, in the UK versus the US or even different models. Oh, yeah. Volkswagen comes to mind. Uh, over here, Volkswagen starts at the Golf is the base model, but yep. there's several different versions than that before in the UK. Yeah, I'm mentioning cars like uh, Lancia. So the first yep. time, so uh, there, I've seen a couple imported in the country, and I was in an event at a rally, and someone had a, a Lancia Integrale, and I just yeah. stopped, and everyone around me is like, "What? What do you? What is like a car? It like you know, it's like a, it looks like a fancy, um, kind of like a fancy Volkswagen, you know, coupe from the '90s, right? And I'm just like drooling over this thing, and 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 you know, my my regular non car guy friends are like, "Okay, so it's a car," <laughs> and you're like, "You don't understand." So very similar to that, for sure. Yeah, that Lance, Lancia Delta. I mean, that was a rally icon. Oh, yep. And the, Integra- uh, the Integrale mm-hmm. as well, was it? Yep, the, yep. The, yeah, The Delta, the S4, and, uh, and the Inter- Yep, yeah, yeah. And, and the uh, Group A afterwards. It was great. So do you want to kick it off then, Chris? What Do you, do you want to um, list them, and then we'll talk about each one after you've, after you've mentioned it, and I'll... I, I, there's some that I have experience of myself, but I'm definitely we're definitely interested to know anybody can post pictures on the Facebook group if you do own one of these watches. That would be really cool. And actually, it was the Facebook group that kind of kicked this off. So uh, we will well, start with that. So we were talking on the Facebook group about a, a, a brand that doesn't get seen here, and that's um, Edox, E D O X. Yeah. Um, and sort of never made it sort of never made it to the United States for whatever reason. I was looking at where their uh, stores are because I was like, oh, you know, they they must be here. And um I think you're more likely to find one in Mexico City than you are <laughs> to find one in in North America. Um and certainly all over all over Europe. Yeah, and a big thanks to uh, I think it was Robert that posted that and I think he posted one of the other ones as well. He's a real um he's on our group, he's a real enthusiast of dive watches. He kindly sent me that ISO frame strap, so a big thanks to him. But yeah, he seems to collect these dive watches and also he's he really he's really interested in the history as well. He posted the um one of the other ones that's gonna be on your list as well. But he posted that EDOX and this was one I wasn't familiar yeah. with but it's a good looking watch yeah. and so i mean this company like this is you know this is uh swiss this is 1884 i mean this is an old brand they've got some great looking stuff and so if you're you're looking for something that you know maybe is unique on the wrist that that not everyone has this is definitely this is definitely one of those brands great uh pretty good value for money too i think yeah really good value for money i like that one so what what's what's the next one uh, so then uh, we talked we kind of we'll move on uh and these are in no particular order this is just completely random uh but eterna this was in it this was another one from robert and i asked i 
straight up asked him i wasn't sure about mm-hmm. who these who a turner were i feel like I'd, I'd knew the name but i hadn't really looked into them anymore but this is a very good looking watch like you mentioned this one again goes back to the 1800s and i didn't realize this but uh rob uh, was telling me that they they created eta right Right. And originally, I mean, that's amazing that that's not a really common thing that people know. I'm surprised I didn't know that. Yeah. And I I recognized um, I recognized the diver. So I've seen a couple of these pop up on Instagram. It's the uh, Contiki, the Super Contiki. Yeah. Like a uh, cushion style, um, almost like a turtle case to it. Um, And so if you're in that, if you're in the market for that, that 70s diver sort of retro diver look, definitely take a look at at the Contiki and uh, and their and their divers, very cool stuff. I love the hands as well, and also it has the date as well, which keeps me happy. That's right, and down, yeah, and down at and down at six, very balanced style. Looks really good. I think they've got one that I'm looking at the one that's got the sort of orange loom on it. It's a little it's a little vibrant, but I think it it kind of goes with that 70s style because it doesn't look like. Uh, you know, it doesn't look too. It, it definitely looks orange. Uh, but they've got some. They've got some other ones. Uh, this one, the sort of modern Contiki diver, uh, with the with the with a very interesting uh, bezel insert that they've done for for I assume different dive uh, times and depths and things. So yeah, and they seem to be reasonably priced as well, don't they? You can get them for around the nine hundred dollar market appears for yeah. Maybe, maybe this is a. I'm pre-owned seeing, one but. Uh, i'm seeing yeah i'm seeing something like so this one i'm seeing msrps of like you know 1300 euro so 50, you know 15 1600 dollars something like that so that's that completely that's completely within i mean we're talking mechanical 200 meter mechanical swiss diver that's you know that's right in the right in the pocket right there so salita movements as well so next uh a brand i know we mentioned on the pod before but uh certina this is an interesting one because you can buy some of the models on amazon and joma shop mm-hmm. but there's some really cool ones that have only recently come to the u.s mm-hmm. yeah i mean um i was drawn to them i think last week we were talking about uh they have a gmt and they they have a modified um movement um that they call the uh powermatic it's an 80, 80 hour, 80 hour movement that they put in. So sort of drawn to that. Um, and then again, they're, uh, they've got a, a, a set of retro diver, um, with the cool, uh, with their cool turtle shell on the back of their, uh, on the back of their case back. It's very cool. So yeah, Certina, uh, sort of popping up on, um, on Joma and Amazon, but, uh, definitely one to, to check out. Um, for... Yeah, they have some good-looking quartz ones as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some nice, uh, nice-looking quartz ones. Yeah, that is an interesting one. Definitely check then, that one out. And then again, that's eighteen eighty-eight for uh, you know Swiss 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 watch manufacturing sense. So very cool. Now, here's one that I think pops up more here, but is is sort of off the radar, um, and that's Rado or Rado. I think it's Rado. I'm gonna go with Rado. And I know it's it's been with the what the, they do the what's it the Captain Cook right? 
Yep, the Captain Cook. So with the Captain Cook, I think they in the last maybe the last couple of years they've they've definitely popped up on everyone's radar more so. Um, but it's certainly not it's certainly not a brand that I think is ubiquitous in the in the US. I think they have only recently I think it's definitely bigger overseas. I think in India it's quite big, but famously, I don't know whether you know this, but a famous Rado wearer was Colonel Sanders. Oh. Oh, that back was his in the personal day. watch. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He um and I only know this because they auctioned it off last year. Oh. And it didn't it didn't go for very much. It's amazing. I, I look on a lot of these uh, auction websites and these movie prop watches and sometimes you can pick up that Neil Armstrong watch that I was talking about only sold for a two, couple, couple of two hundred dollars, and these are icon iconic watches. I think that Rado, that Colonel Sanders one, maybe only got you know, mm. five to seven hundred dollars. Interesting. Yeah. So it's worth uh, it's worth looking on the there's one there's one actually called the Prop Store, and they sell movie watches. I was right. looking the other day, and they've got a watch from Wanted on there. I was a bit annoyed that they sold the one from Fury that had the Stevo straps strap on it. The brad pitt's version and again that only went for a couple of hundred dollars i think people aren't actively looking them also some of these watches are movie watches so they don't necessarily have the internals in them they're just more show watches right, right. it's definitely worth out checking the prop store or oh, searching yeah. for screen yeah. used watches that's interesting yeah maybe maybe there's some hidden gems there cool yeah so that's that's an interesting one which is yeah uh, what's you know, what are you looking at next and um, so next up we have uh lip lip l-i-p uh, and Lip, I think, sort of came and went, because because they you know uh, they are known for that very famous uh, sort of uh, modern um, design where with the with the eighties uh, with the big with the big dots the big balls on the side that press the individual pushers and this kind of funky shaped case. That's kind of what they uh, you know if you've seen about them. That's that's one of their claims to fame but obviously not all they do um and we were just uh taking a look at the the website they make some pretty interesting stuff still yeah they really do and i found out about this brand believe it or not i've got a book called i think it's the 50 watches that changed the world or something like that it's the yellow book that you always see in my reviews it's off to the side there but that lip version the the mech i think it's called Mm -hmm chronograph that's in there that's one of the iconic watches and as and interestingly enough there's another watch on your list as well that also makes it into that book so you imagine it 50 watches that change the world would be all well-known watches but it's um that lip features in there as being a, a design icon it i'm i'm probably doing this in injustice it might be that it's it was made by a famous uh, designer originally mm-hmm. but it's certainly um certainly a very iconic watch it's called the it's the mech 2000 chronograph you should check it out there's no other watch that looks like it at all except for maybe uh you know uh that uh, a seiko the now, gigario design before we go too far on on lip uh it looks i do not know if they are currently doing mechanicals over there is if they sort of converted only to uh, a fashion quartz design. Interesting. I'm trying to find some something that they're. They, I mean, they show the Mach 200. They now have a 
they say they have a quartz version. So you, they have a modern version. No, they buy. they definitely have. Um, yeah, they definitely have mechanicals as well. I'm I'm looking at one here that's skeletonized. So they use. Let me just see if it actually lists the movement here. It's not coming up straight away, but it's uh, we we haven't mentioned this before. It's a uh, lip is a, a French brand. I don't mm-hmm. know whether you you mentioned you that already, Chris, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. Um, it just says, uh, oh, it's a Miota. These, this okay. one's using a Miota. Okay. okay. But it's a good looking watch, yeah. uh, that skeletonized one. Looks uh, similar to a Zodiac. Okay, uh, next up we've got Triton. This is one that's popped up on the Facebook group. Triton, I believe they got reinvigorated, I would say. Very famous dive watch for having the crown at the top. And not just the crown at the top, but the bracelet integrates in a way that the bracelet protects the crown. Mm-hmm. It's a good um, way to describe so, it, yeah. But yeah, again, a, a very, certainly for that design, they were an iconic. It, it reminds me similar of um, Hanhart as well. They have a, a military watch that has a distinctive design mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. articulated case like that. I mean, Hanhart would be another one that we could add to the list certainly. as well. That's yeah, a... certainly. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Triton is, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, it seems like it was rebooted a, a ton of history and a, a, a bunch of iconic designs that they've done. And then, and this one here with the crown on the top, very, very, very cool looking. So I feel like a lot of these are interesting. A lot of these so far have been, have been uh, sort of that retro diver uh, that they've done, but uh, check them out. So 1963, so almost a, you know, not a, not a, not an original Swiss, but uh, definitely from the era of um, dive watches that, you know, when we started to get, you know, these, these different cases and, and different materials in order to make it so that you could, you know, get down to depth with, with a watch, with a mechanical watch. I'm going to give you the next one because you know what it is. It's a, it's a Japanese brand, right? Yes. Now, this is another one that features in that book that I told you about, the iconic design. And I knew them primarily because of their um, fragrances or their um, odor to toilet. They basically uh, also were a fashion brand. The brand's called Izzy Mayaki. Very famous. You'll see them in the most of the the perfume aisle of your local superstore. But they also made watches and i believe the watches were manufactured by seiko but they have one that is a very distinctive design and it's become almost an icon icon of theirs and it essentially is it it has it uh, this is going to be hard to describe without looking at pictures <laughs> yeah, but the right. tachymeter is on the side of the case so the case is almost um mushroom size mushroom case wouldn't be the right way but essentially around the outside of the case is the tachymeter and it's become one of their truly iconic designs um this it's called the design by nato fukuzawa it's the silaq001 true name of it is the trapezoid watch and it makes sense when you see it mm. yeah it does a uh, sort of a visual illusion so like a imagine like a beveled I, the best way I could describe it is like a a beveled gear or a beveled edge around your around the um, bezel that 
has the projection of the tachymeter all the way around it. So like when you look at it straight on, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of almost an optical illusion kind of thing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really good. They do a number of watches in there, much bigger, I think, in uh, Japan. There's there's more things that are available. But yeah, it's, a, it's another one from that book that's iconic and another one that I think only over here we might get a few of the, you know, fashion items. But I certainly have never seen the watches for sale in uh, alongside the fragrances. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And uh, finally, we'll, I guess we'll just finish up with this short list. Not a short list, but this list. And listen, uh, before we finish up, if you have any that you know of, um, these iconic watch brands that just sort of didn't make it to the United States or maybe fell out of fashion and are no longer being sold here and uh, have an interesting his history that you might have to someday go to another country to buy, um, make sure to uh, let us know over in the Facebook group and uh, and join up over there and, and uh, we can continue the conversation. And my last one here is uh, another brand that we've we've been talking about. So, uh, but certainly one of the ones that that I I don't think uh, has any sort of presence here, uh, which is uh, Stova. Um, yeah. And uh, they have made uh, they're very they're very popular for their um w their flieger watches yeah it seems to be one of the ones that watch enthusiasts know about but again they're not mainstream would you say it's certainly over in the u.s yeah and i was thinking there is actually i think my, we might have a bonus one um who's the other one that does the flieger watches laco your bonus yeah. Well, that yeah, but Laco is or Laco is, I believe, and I, I'm, I'm, I could be easily corrected on this, but I think they might be owned by the same company that owns Watch Gang. Oh, interesting. I think that there's definitely a link there, or Watch Gang hmm. might be the distributor because they popped up at a micro brand show. Hmm. But yeah, you're totally right. Before I'd seen them there, I'd never seen them in the wild. But they are, they're the they're very Flieger, aren't they? They right. even have one that they purposely patina. They purposely right. make it look old. They bash the case yeah, up. They right. they yeah. uh, damage the loom. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, Stova, uh, nineteen twenty-seven, um, Swiss uh, Swiss brand, or should I say, sorry, German German brand, but using Swiss movements, um, and and part of that whole uh, you know Black Forest watchmaking German watchmaking tradition that's over there. And then uh, Laco, newer, newer brand, but uh, also German, right? Yes, so, I believe so. A couple of, couple of German brands to finish us out that maybe don't get that much love here in the United States. Awesome. That was a great list, uh, Chris. Yeah. And uh, like you mentioned before, if you've got any extras, head on over to the Facebook group. If you're not already a member, uh, add your membership in there or request a membership and we'll add you on. As always, we really appreciate you listening. As always, we really appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.